let's try that again. Happy Sabbath, church. Oh, what a blessing to hear your voices on this Sabbath, this Christmas day. We have a lot of folk missing uh, here on Christmas Day, but a lot of visitors too, so welcome so much, visitors, some people here from college. It's great to see uh, many of you back with us. And so we continue in our uh, efforts to upgrade our technology, so now we're, we're trying something a little different this week, um, but um, it is working. That's a wonderful thing. All right, so great to see you all. It's been a good week, I hope. Uh, it's been a little bit of a tough week the last couple weeks here in Battle Creek. As some of you know, probably not many of you, um, they um, claim me as, as a volunteer chaplain now at the Battle Creek Police Department. So um, I get to minister there, and what a blessing. I tell you, I've never, <clears throat> and Brad's not in here right now, but I've, I've prayed, oh, he's, he's up there. I prayed for the police, you know, all the time, but I've never understood my prayers as I do now um, because of just being involved with them, and it's, uh, <clears throat> it's not an easy job. And uh, you know, there's been a couple things that have happened this week, but I hope your week was good. Glad you're all here, made it here safe. Blessings upon your family. Jesus welcomes you, and we welcome you. Well, today is the second part of a three-part sermon series on, basically on justification by faith, just like the most important subject that there is, because it is the three angels' message, or messages. Last week, we looked at the divine fiat. Fiat in Latin means let it be. It's something that God does. It's a divine initiative. It's outside of you. It's before you, but it's for you. We looked at that last week. We'll look at it again briefly this week. But this week's primary focus is the human response. Mary's, and I have in parentheses, fiat. Um, there has been so much misinformation and bad theology just from a few verses in our Bible about Mary um, and it's unfortunate because Mary, um, Mary can't hear your prayers, folks. You need to pray to Jesus. Amen? He's the one to pray to. He is our mediator. Um, there's no other mediator needed, and Mary's not it. And unfortunately, they get this. They take where Mary said in the imperative voice, um, in Luke 1, um, let it be. And they're like, oh, oh, look, she said, let it be. Just like God said, let it be. No, no, no. <laughs> look at the context. It's much, much different. We'll look at that today. So you have justification or this divine initiative that's outside of you, that's before you, and then you have the human response, right? What does your heart do with what God has done for you? And then there's the life that is lived, after that justification by faith. Justification and faith come together. There is a power that goes to work in the life and changes the heart. That's the beginning of sanctification, humble obedience. So we'll look at that today. And Mary's story is your story. I keep emphasizing this because there's so many parallels. Obviously not exactly, but there's many, many parallels. We'll look at that again today. First, uh, a bit of a health nugget for all of us. God wants us to have life and life more abundantly. And he wants our joy to be full. 
This is a statement that really hit me and I wanted to share it with you. As religious aggression subverts the liberties of our nation, those who would stand for freedom of conscience will be placed in unfavorable positions. I believe we're on the cusp of this now. For their own sake, they should, while they have opportunity, become intelligent in regard to several things. Disease, its causes, prevention, and cure. So that's us and that's now. Although this is not, we're not quite here yet. We don't see religious aggression um, at that level. But um, I believe we're on the cusp of this. Those who do this will find a field of labor anywhere who know about disease and its prevention and its cure. There will be plenty of suffering ones. Sorry, there will be suffering ones, plenty of them, who will need help, not only among our own faith family, but largely among those who do not know the truth. So this will be a witnessing tool if we can help people with their disease and prevention. And not just COVID-19. That's one of many diseases out there. It's obviously a, a big one right now, but, um, and one that we can help people with. I can't tell you how many people that I dealt with just in the last couple weeks, situations with COVID, where, you know, it was, I was able to tell them a few things that were, I, I believe, helpful to them, and I praise the Lord for that. But this is what is coming, so we can know um, just a little bit about these things so we can help people. That's why the health message is the right arm of the gospel, right? So we can help people. We can lift them up. We can come to their aid. And then they're going to say, well, what, what God do you serve? What church are you from? And we can tell them about our wonderful Savior. Well, it was back at the turn of the century, in the late 1800s, that this was written. There was a smallpox outbreak in London, well, in England just in general across uh, England, and um, there was the potential of mandates for vaccines. In fact, there was mandates for vaccines, and this is, I thought, very interesting because history tends to repeat itself, does it not? The magistrates seem to be having a difficult task on hand in trying to decide questions of conscience. The law allows the conscientious objector to vaccination to receive a certificate of exemption or religious exemption, what we call it today, right? But it seems that a man's statement to that effect is not sufficient. I tell you, look, I mean, this is in my conscience. Here's my religious exemption. Well, is it or isn't it? That was what was going on then. That is what's going on now in some cases. E.J. Wagner goes on to say this, the worst feature about the matter is the precedence that is set. That a man's conscience may be a subject of legal examination. Think about that. How can you tell if someone, if it's really their conscientious religious objection or it's just their preference? Can you really read their mind? No, you can't. And that's why Wagner said this next statement. The Inquisition was built upon that. And so that's where I hope we don't go in this country with this situation. I'm so thankful that God gave us such great uh, laws for our health, for our bodies that are so fearfully and wonderfully made back in the book of primarily Leviticus, those rules. 
through Moses, were given by the Lord himself and when, and when followed, produced the healthiest people that ever lived. Come on and say amen. That's good news. Health is primarily an inside job. This does not mean that there's not airborne things to be afraid of or contaminants. There are, but it's primarily an inside job. This would be, I think this was still Wagner speaking here. But you know, whether it was Wagner or Kress or Dr. Paulson, all doctors, or Kellogg, they were pretty much all on the same page regarding this subject. In London, this particular year, 46 smallpox deaths, 107 influenza deaths. And he says this, yet while people are flocking to be vaccinated as a protection from smallpox, nearly all seem to think that the flu must be submitted to as a matter of course whenever it is in the air. And he says this, I thought this was interesting. When will people begin to learn that disease is not stalking about to attack people? but it is the result of certain, easily ascertained causes, which, for the most part, and that's the qualifier, for the most part, it is entirely within the power of the individual to control, right? God has given us these great health principles to take care of ourselves. Seventh-day Adventists live, what is it, seven years or thereabouts longer than the general population because of the way we take care of ourselves. And I hope you're on that journey. God wants the best for us, whether it's exercise, water, sunshine, fresh air, temperance and eating, sleep, and trust in God. Today, just briefly, I want to bring something new to your attention. At least it's new from me. You've not heard of it from me before. And that is nigella sativa or black cumin seed. Seeds are mainly made up of oil. That's no different here. Also, uh, a large percentage, 32 to 40% of the total composition are oils containing many things, but thymoquinone and carvacrol are two important ones. Cumin, you know the little, the, the spice you use at home, right? Cumin, the word properly denotes an annual plant whose seed has a bitterish warm flavor, bitterish warm taste with an aromatic flavor. <clears throat> okay, nigella sativa, the black seed, been used in uh, Iran for years in their traditional medicine. Mohammed, by the way, said this will cure everything but death. Maybe that's a little high praise for it, but um, anyway, <laughs> uh, he was pretty high on it. Some of the things that was used to treat was diabetes, cough, fever, eczema, bronchitis, and influenza pharmacological effects anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antiviral, antimicrobial, anticoagulant properties. So it's pretty cool stuff. You can get it at your health food store or order it online. Um, black seed uh, comes in oil, or you can actually get the little seeds this morning. I don't know where my girls are. They might be practicing. But anyway, I made a, I made a, a smoothie shake and uh, just put some of the seeds in it and let them... Uh, uh, stir up in the shake. So why is it possibly something that would be used for COVID-19? Well, COVID-19 uh, has a cytokine storm that comes with it that is in severe patients. And it could very well be that this, uh, the properties in Nigella sativa 
may limit that. Previous studies have confirmed the anti-inflammatory activity of and sativa, which may reduce the effects of cytokine storm. There's that carvacrol again, which we saw is in it. Monoterpenoid phenols obtained from plants, including carvacrol, have the potential to inhibit the binding of the viral spike. Also, carvacrol can exhibit ACE2 activity, and it's suggested that it may block the host cell entry of SARS-CoV-2. So both block the entry and keep it from um, expanding. And so this is the conclusion of this. We get to our sermon. Various randomized control trials in vitro test tubes and in living organisms confirmed that and sativa has antiviral. There are other antivirals out there, right, that are natural. I list a few here. Elderberry, astragalus, echinacea, uh, antioxidants like vitamin C. It has anti-inflammatory, as does zinc. Immunomodulatory, as does curcumin and resveratrol. Uh, also, Regeneron, which some of you may be familiar with. That's uh, monoclonal antibodies, same thing. Uh, been used successfully with everybody I've ever heard of um, so far. So praise the Lord for that. Bronchiodilatory, ginger, garlic, turmeric. And you might say, well, I, I use some of those for something else. They work for many things. Uh, so they, they cross uh, several of these um, categories. Antihistaminic, quercetin, probiotics, bromelain, which a lot of times quercetin comes with bromelain. And so that's, uh, those are other ways you can do that. Uh, Anti-tussive, steam, and knack. Uh, of course, steam works for several things. Steam, if you use steam inhalation with a couple drops of oregano oil, good stuff. Two or three drops is all you need, and um, that's really good stuff too. Uh, so these are different activities related to causative organisms and signs and symptoms of COVID-19. So see your doctor, of course, but if you want to play around like I am with uh, Nigella sativa, you at least have a little bit of information. I know at doctors, Adventist and non-Adventist, that are using this uh, as a prophylactic and as a treatment for COVID. So that's that. Rejoice in the Lord always, God says. And again, I say rejoice. I pray that the message today will be loud and clear. When you're on the radio, you first identify yourself, who you are, and then you talk to whoever you want to talk to. Um, I won't use my number, but 1888, dispatch, radio check. And then if your radio is working, what does she say? Loud and clear. So I hope the message will come loud and clear to all of us today. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, we thank you for your holy word. Thank you, Lord, for the divine initiative that you took to save us. And Lord, may we grasp it even more by faith today than ever before. And may we live the life that you've called us to live, we pray. Send your spirit now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Mary's story is your story. How so? Here we go. The human condition, right? Her condition is your condition. Mary was a sinner in need of a Savior. Amen? 
Yes, she was, right? She even said it herself. She says, my soul doth magnify the Lord and her magnificat. My soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Now that's Hebrew parallelism, complementary parallelism. And she there says, God, my Savior. So the human condition, we're all in the same camp. The divine pronouncement or the divine initiative, we're all in the same camp on that also. Where the difference comes is will you be a believer, the human response of faith, and then the life of faith. Only those that live by faith can live the life of faith. Luke, of course, was... um, a very powerful influence in our canon of Scripture and our New Testament writing nearly one-third of it. When you take the book of Luke and the book of Acts, it's huge. The times of Jesus were these, through heathenism, so what were the times in the world when Jesus was coming? Through heathenism, Satan had for ages turned men away from God, but he won his greatest triumph in perverting the faith of Israel. By contemplating and worshiping their own conceptions, the heathen had lost the knowledge of God and had become more and more corrupt. So it was with Israel. They were worshiping what? Their own conceptions. The principle that man can save himself by his own works lay at the foundation of every heathen religion. It had now become the principle of the Jewish religion. Satan had implanted this principle. Wherever it is held, men have no barrier against sin. Wow. No barrier against sin when you're trying to work your way to heaven. Interesting. Through every age, though, through every hour, had been exercised towards the fallen race, the love of God. Notwithstanding the perversity of men, the signals of mercy had continually been exhibited. God is just pouring it out towards us, his great love. And when the fullness of time had come, the birth of Jesus, the deity was glorified by pouring upon the world a flood of healing grace that was never to be obstructed or withdrawn till the plan of salvation should be fulfilled. Christ is near to every one of us. That is what they all missed, right? Even Israel got to where they missed it. It's he's far away and you've got to do all this stuff to get him close. No, 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 he's near. He's near every one of us today. Luke 1, 26 through 38. Turn there if you would, please, with me today. And I think I'll just read it for you as we're, our time is already slipping away from us. Luke 1, 26 through 38. We're going to do a quick drill down of this, and hopefully God will speak through his word and through the uh, drill down to follow. Verse 26, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, that is the sixth month of Elizabeth's Pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, just a no-name little town, right? To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed art you among women. 
And when she saw him, she was troubled at the saying and cast in her mind the manner or what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob Israel forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then Mary, you can imagine, startled, you can imagine befuddled, what? Said this, Mary said unto the angel, how? How? There's no historical precedence here, God. There's historical precedence for couples that are too old to have babies, to have babies. But there's no historical precedence of someone having a baby without the seed, without the seed from the man. How, Lord? How shall this be, seeing I've not known a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she also conceived in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, she who was called barren. And that wasn't a compliment in that day. I guess it's not today, but it certainly wasn't then. Verse 37, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Or as some of the other versions put it quite correctly, no word from God will ever fail. And then Mary's faith response, verse 38. And Mary said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord or the maidservant of the Lord. That's what I am. I'm just a maidservant. I'm the one that comes and cleans your room. I, I'm just a nothing, God. Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It's as if she said, Amen to the great things that God had planned for her. And so the sinful condition, we're all in the same condition as Mary was, sinners in need of a savior. So this is how Mary's story is your story. Don't miss that connection because it's about you. It was about her, but it's about you also. Her righteousness was as filthy rags, unworthy in her own eyes. Ever feel unworthy? Mary did, but, and in the eyes of the world, in fact, but God had bigger plans. She was under condemnation of the law, not just when you look at her whole situation, right? Being pregnant and not in wedlock. She was under the condemnation of the law and under the condemnation of death. That was the penalty that she deserved. Remember, Joseph put her away privately um, to be nice, but that was really the, the thing that was deserving according to the law. She also was incapable of producing a baby without a seed, right? No way. And so when you think about this in terms of the Croatian, I said that practicing last night, the Croatian, the creation motif. Think about Mary, think about you. Think about creation and before creation, right? Uncreation, chaotic uncreation. That's you. 
That's Mary. Mary was sinking beneath the murky waters of chaotic uncreation. So were you. And then God said, let it be. Now that is divine fiat. Fiat, again, in the Latin means let it be. God in creation said, let it be, right? There was nothing. It was ex nihilo. He made it out of nothing. He said, let it be. And indeed it was, right? Just then it was. God said, let there be light. And there was what? There was light. And he, that is Jesus, is the true light that lights every man that comes into the world. And of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. And so was it done for you, this divine announcement, this divine initiative? Yes, right? Before you did anything, Christ did something for you. That is justification. He lived the perfect life that you could not live. He died the death that you deserved. And it's the great exchange, right? All we have to offer is our sinful selves. He takes that sin upon him and offers us his perfect righteousness. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For by this we both labor and suffer reproach that Christ is, God, Christ is the living God, the Savior of all men, especially those that believe, 1 Timothy 4, 9 through 11. And then he says, command and teach these things. Christ indeed redeemed the human race upon the cross and through his perfect life and sacrificial death. There in Gethsemane, as the moon shone through the cloudless sky, Christ sweat great drops of blood, right? He was prostrated upon the ground. If any of you have gone uh, on uh, hiking trips where you're up in the mountains, you're trained, if you fall off the side of the mountain, do you like roll up like this? No, 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 you go like this, right? So at least you won't roll all the way down. Well, Christ, you could see him doing that same thing upon the ground, right? He's he's laying out as if a a hole is gonna swallow him up. And that was your sins, and that was my sins upon him that caused that great, great suffering. But aren't you glad that with God, no word is impossible, amen? He can cause righteousness to come out of something that is not righteous, you and me. Mary's faith responds, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, not just any maidservant, but maidservant belonging to the Lord, be it unto me according to your word. Amen? That is what we should say when we look at all that God has done for us. Lord, I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this. I can't believe you did this for me, but I accept it. Amen? I say amen. Let it be even as you have said according to me. I hope you have learned to say the amen also. I close with a story this morning, and next week we'll get into the life that Christians are to live. But this story goes like this. It's the story of a man, Aji, who learned to have Christ in him. Each year in southern India, millions of fervent Hindu worshipers endure a dangerous trek up a holy mountain to pay homage to the Hindu god Ayapa. 
In the mid-1990s, a 15-year-old boy named Aji Kumar joined the treacherous journey to fulfill the vows of his Hindu parents that his Hindu parents had made to their god. Previously, the tedious worship of multiple gods proved unfulfilling to Aji. He wasn't getting anything out of, and as you know, the Hindus have tons of God. It's not hard to get a Hindu to accept Jesus. It's hard for a Hindu to accept just Jesus. Because they're like, oh, another God? Sure, I've got thousands already. I'll take another one. That doesn't work that way. And uh, he was finding his life unfulfilled in uh, the situation he was in. Aji fasted for 41 days, weak and malnourished. The teenage boy hiked up the 3,000-foot mountain without shoes in accordance with the sacred tradition. Aji was tired and afraid. Pilgrims literally fight each other to get to this shrine. In 1999, a stampede of worshipers killed 53. And so that doesn't sound very holy, does it? Along the way, Aji bathed in the Pampa River, which is said to release a person from a lifetime of sins. Aren't you glad you know Jesus today? When he finally reached the 18 stairs leading to the shrine, he was so exhausted that he dropped the sacred articles he was carrying, and a policeman had to help him. He said this as he's beginning to doubt his current situation. If you are the true God, Aji prayed to Ayapa, then why didn't you give me strength? Why didn't you keep the sacred things from falling? For years, his family adhered to the meticulous Hindu traditions. They attended temple services and followed specific worship creeds. They routinely bathed, fed, and garlanded the idols, but they felt no peace. Saying this, Aji said, we visited a number of temples and other holy places for deliverance and joy, but what we received was only disappointment and hopelessness. At one point, a Christian explained how Aji could know Jesus personally, how Christ came to set people free. He came to be born in us. But Aji continued to worship the Hindu idols. One day, he found his mother reading a Bible, which he snatched away from her. We have enough gods and goddesses, he said. If our relatives come to know that we have received Jesus, they will desert us. Aji belonged to a political group that persecuted Christians, interrupting church services and other Christian meetings. During the Hindu feast of Onam, Aji and others from his political group set out to sabotage a Christian meeting at a local college. Armed with sticks and stones, they planned to disconnect the sound system's power supply. Before they could cause the disturbance, however, a speaker announced, Aji Kumar, who is you who have come to interrupt, have you come to interrupt this meeting or disrupt it? You have tried many times to do such things and torture the people of God, the man said. If you give your life to Jesus today, he will love you and give you joy and peace that you've not found in anything else. 
speaker continued listing specific sins Aji had committed. Aji was astonished and angry. He didn't want to listen to the man and was embarrassed in front of his friends. Don't be afraid, the speaker continued. Stand up, Aji Kumar. He felt a sensation of extreme heat. This isn't everybody's conversion experience. In his body, like I was sitting on fire, he says, his heart tugged at him. Finally, he stood up, joining the speaker, and prayed and received Christ. Amen? Christ was born in him. He wants to be born in you, Christ, the hope of glory. For Aji, it took a personal encounter with God to bring him out of that way of life. I found there is a living God who loves me, Aji said. He's now a missionary in his home country. So Christ today would want to be born in us. Amen? Oh, not in the same way as he was born in Mary, but in a, in a very unique and a very personal and a very meaningful way, right? Christ wants to live in your hearts. As the song says, I'm not brave, I'll never be. The only thing my heart can offer is a vacancy. What about you? Is your heart open to Christ coming in today? How many of you want to say yes to Christ again today? I am willing. I am yours. Be born in me. Trembling hearts. Somehow I believe that you have chosen even me. Even me. Your 